You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Today, our guest on Preaching Source is Dr. Danny Forshee. He's the lead pastor of Great Hills Baptist Church in Austin, Texas, and he's the president of the Danny Forshee Evangelistic Association. Danny, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you. Good to be with you today. All right, you're the lead pastor of a, a large and very active church, and you're also uh, the president and the CEO of uh, <laughs> a very active evangelistic ministry. Uh, so let me just ask you as the first question up, how do you integrate preaching and evangelism week sure. by week? Sure. Yes, as a pastor of a, of a church there in Austin, that's uh, my first priority, and um, serving there almost eight years now, we, uh, we love it, and integrating preaching and evangelism, well, those are my two passions. Those are the things I love to do, and in fact, here at Southwestern, that was my majors in my PhD in evangelism and then minored in, in preaching. So, you know, studying the Word of God daily, uh, preparing uh, messages for our congregation is a big part of my ministry, but also uh, the Danny Forshee Evangelistic Association, DFEA, if I refer to it, that's, that's what that is. Uh, that's been a great opportunity and avenue for me as well to, um, to do some traveling, whether it's missions or preaching in other uh, churches or conferences uh, or writing. Um, I, I feel so blessed, Barry, because I get to preach the Word of God expositionally on Sundays, and then I get to exercise my gift of the evangelist uh, a lot of times through DFEA, through equipping the saints for the work of ministry, training them, encouraging them to share their faith. So I, I just feel like I'm very, very blessed. I get to do the best, the both the best worlds, if you will. Wow. What, uh, how do you give an evangelistic invitation? What, how, how do you land the sermon in, in such a way that you're you're prompting people to respond to the, the gospel and be saved. Absolutely. Yes, and I do that in every sermon, whether um, it's a strictly evangelistic sermon or, or not. I always try to give uh, a very uh, solid uh, invitation, and I, I try to begin with the end in mind. Throughout the message, I try to give the invitation. You know, In a few moments, we'll give you an opportunity, or um, Sunday I was uh, preaching. I used an illustration uh, of a gentleman coming to faith in Christ. Uh, he was riding on the back of his motorcycle, and he pulled up next to a friend of mine and was just very curious about the church van, and did he believe what was written on the church van? And the guy said, well, sure I do. And, and he said, well, I've been searching for purpose in my life. Can you help me? And he prayed uh, to receive Christ. And so later in the message Sunday, I came back around and said, well, maybe you're that guy here today. You're that guy on that uh, bike. And you feel the Lord drawing you to personal salvation. So I try to sprinkle it throughout the, the message, but at the end, um, I give a very, I try to give a very solid, detailed uh, invitation for people to uh, pray to receive Christ, come to faith in Christ, and if they do, please, please share that with someone. In fact, we'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. We have uh, biblical counselors, we have deacons, we have staff here at the front. And so if you've prayed with me to receive Christ today, then you come, let us celebrate that with you. So, yeah, we try to do it every, every sermon. All right. Now, if you're, all, if you're dropping cues and hints for people throughout the sermon, you, you've obviously, you give that some thought ahead of time in the crafting of the sermon, yes? Yes, I do. 
I, I really do and try to um, build build that in and also maybe a little old-fashioned but I still I do manuscripts I just I try to write out everything that I plan to say and study that almost like an exam and then but I found the Holy Spirit is in the preparation he's in the presentation <laughs> and so I, I do I try to plan that and but I learned that from an evangelist in the Billy Graham Evangelist Association in an article years ago he said you know don't wait till the invitation to give the invitation uh, make that appeal throughout your message. So, All right. I'm going to write that down. Don't wait until the invitation to give the invitation. I like that. that. We need to remember that. Your most recent book is Jesus and the Church, an expositional and practical study of Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this this book. Yeah, this, it's, it's not my most recent. My most recent is... Uh, uh, a book I did on, on the family, modern family vintage values. But this book is the one that I've probably uh, been blessed to to sell is, is more than any. And I'm if they can't buy, then I'm happy to give it to them because it's an expositional study of Revelation two and three. I've preached through the the apocalypse twice, once as a pastor in Virginia, and once here as a pastor in, in Austin. It took me a year and a half the first time, close to two years the second time. But in that study of the seven churches, I just became so enamored and intrigued with that. And, and my book basically was all of that study and I was doing in sermon preparation. I took those manuscripts and converted them uh, in, into this book. And it's, a, it's an expositional study uh, of, that te- of those texts of those seven churches. Now, some of them are a little longer than others, so... A lot of those had two parts, you know, part one and part two. Uh, but also try to be really practical coming at it from a from a pastor's standpoint. So that's kind of the the origin of how that happened. And yeah, I'm, I, I, that's how that book came to be. All right, you see, you use the word practical. So let's ask this question: Why? What is it about expository preaching? That where's the value for the people in the pew, for the practical people? How, do, how does it benefit your church? Oh, my word. You know, I, uh, expositional preaching, it benefits our, our people in, in ways that I don't even, I don't even see. Uh, God honors the preaching of his word. And um, I believe it was Jerry Vines who said, God meets needs that people didn't realize they had. If you'll be faithful in reading God's Word, teaching God's Word, building your message completely from the Scriptures, and and applying that text, helping them apply that text, God just, He honors that. And so I'm, I may get in a little bit of my, my passion here, Dr. Barry, is I'm, I just feel like that's one of the, the missing components in homiletics today is, an, is a leaving the biblical teaching, the textual-driven preaching, and doing more topical, more overly praxis, overly practical, but, man, there's a beautiful balance when you take the text, explain the text, apply the text, illustrate the text, and God just works. I mean, he, people are people. I mean, this, this book was written by the Holy Spirit for people then and people today, and if we'll be faithful in teaching it, I mean, God does what only God can do. That's a good word. What, what do you think is the most important thing that a, a young preacher can, can learn to, to assist him in his ministry? Well, I've thought about this question, and I thought about how can I answer it, it uh, you know, in, in succinctly, but I think the 
most important thing I, I would say is, is being close to Jesus, is not neglecting that devotional time with the Lord every morning. I, I try to encourage people, read the Word of God devotionally before you do sermonically. Spend that time for your soul, just, just reading the Word of God, uh, having that love relationship with our Lord. And I believe no man preaches any better than he prays. I, I think you just have to spend that time with the Lord in, in prayer, in Bible study, and it just feeds our it feeds our soul. So I, I would encourage the young preacher starting out early on to make that commitment to be with the Lord in the mornings before he does anything else. And there's a whole lot of other things I could share and would encourage them with, but I think that's the preeminent thing is don't neglect uh, the, the inner man of the soul. Who are some of the preachers that you listen to that, that help you? And it's so ironic. My two favorite preachers are in chapel this week. Uh, is Johnny Hunt, he's preaching tomorrow night, and Paige Patterson uh, tomorrow, and then Paige Patterson on Thursday. And I was joking with one of your colleagues today, I, I can imagine people going, Johnny Hunt, I've heard of it, Paige Patterson, but who are you? But those are my favorite. Those are my two favorite pastor preachers. I've listened to tons of sermons that they have preached. I always enjoy Jerry Vines when I can hear him. Uh, Al Mohler, I enjoy listening to him. I listen to his podcast. Um, and the thing that that I appreciate so much about these these teacher, preacher, pastors is I love to learn when I hear a message. And I always love to say when I whenever I hear Dr. Patterson, especially, I know that I'm going to learn something I did not know because he just is a faithful expositor and teacher. And of course with Johnny Hunt, I just love his his passion, his integrity. Uh, he is just the real, the real deal. And so um, the same thing with Al Mohler and Jerry Vines. I just know that when I hear them preach, you know, I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to worship with my mind. And so, and I try to model that in my teaching, preaching. I, I, as I'm studying the text and I ask myself, well, what does that mean? Well, maybe the other people are asking that. Well, what does that mean? And then do my research and do the best I can to explain it. But those are some of my, those are some of my, my favorites. Uh, Danny, describe your sermon preparation process. How, how do you go about crafting a sermon in, in a given week? Yeah, well, best piece of advice I got in homiletics years ago was from my pastor in seminary, and he said, do something on Monday. <laughs> and I thought, well, what does that mean initially? But I understand completely what that means now. At least get your text and have some thoughts Monday, because that gives you the rest of the week uh, to think and process and 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 create and craft the message. So I do that Monday. Usually for me now, I'm completely finished with the sermon by Thursday, um, and I rest from it on Friday, and then I pick it back up on Saturday and study it, and then study the manuscript again on Sunday. So it's a six-day-a-week process for me. Uh, the research, the um, the commentaries, the, the Bible, uh, the, the word studies, all of that happens Monday and Tuesday. And then I begin to develop an outline. And then, like I mentioned to you earlier, I've, every sermon I've ever preached, I've created a manuscript. And I usually have about a four to five page detailed manuscript. And I have it for this morning's message as well. The sermon, the book, How to Preach Expository Sermons Without Notes, I didn't read that book. So I, <laughs> I know some people, but interesting that on Sunday, um, 
when I was preaching my message, right at the very beginning, we had had the Gaither band in the night before, and the lights were really bright, and they forgot to adjust the lights, and they couldn't get it right. And so behind the pulpit, I just could not, I, I couldn't handle the, the bright lights. So I stepped down real close to the people, and for 45 minutes, I never looked at my notes. So thank you, Lord. He helped me. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I was prepared. But Monday, Tuesday, you know, researching and, and writing. And uh, Wednesday, it's usually finishing up the manuscript. Thursday by Thursday, I'm done. Friday, I don't do anything with it. But Saturday morning, I've had this routine for 30 years. As I get up, after I have my quiet time, I take a pen and I just go through the manuscript very methodically, very slowly. And I used to try to just underline the main words that I wanted to make sure... But now I underline like every other word. It's comical. My secretary, she just laughs at me. She goes, every word's, <clears throat> every word's underlined. And so I do that process, and then Sunday morning I get back up and just— So when I take my manuscript, it doesn't look like I have a manuscript. <clears throat> but when I have quotations, I really want to be accurate with that. So it's pretty much a—it used to take me 30 to 40 hours a week to prepare a sermon. But And that was when I was in my early, my 30s. Now in my 50s— I found that it doesn't take as long. It doesn't take that many hours, and perhaps it's just because the the craft over the years, you, you perfect that craft a little more. But that's my process. I know everybody's different, but I take it really, really seriously, and it takes me a, a while. What does your long-range sermon planning look like? How do you do that? Yeah, long-range, uh, I'm I love my favorite type of preaching is uh, book studies. Uh, like I said, I mentioned preached through the book of Revelation. Then from there, I went to the book of Nehemiah. And so those long-range planning are, are easier. The harder ones are like when I feel like I need to do a series in, on the mission of the church, purpose of the church, or, or tithing, stewardship. or um, Those are a little bit harder, and so I try to plan those out. But my favorite is just doing book studies because <clears throat> that just that helps me know exactly what I'm going to preach the next week because I leave off I left off verse ten and then verse eleven I'll pick up. Um, so long range planning. Some guys, I mean, they plan it out three or four years in advance, and I I, I don't do that. Um, I could do a better job of that, but it's usually through those book studies. That's that's the plan. You know. Uh, most, almost all of the modern English translations these days are well organized into pericopes that have headings to them. I, I'm just curious, how often does your division of a book fall along the lines of, of where the, the translators have and publishers have, have put those pericopes? That's an interesting question. I think it does influence, it does influence me. Um, but more than that, is the actual verse. For example, if that verse is just so I call it theologically pregnant, and they're all they're all full, but some they're just so rich, I may write a page just on that one verse. And so if I do that, I have learned if I get into pages five and six, it's too long. It, it could be fifty to sixty minutes. And so um, what I try to do is, is try to gauge that so I don't get too, too long. But, but no, that, that does, I think, influence preachers. It does, it does me when they stop that pericope and, and they have a heading and then they start another heading. It kind of helps uh, divide it up. So, but, but if you're going deeper, weeks that you're going deeper in yeah. something, you slow it down yes, and, and I do. shorten it up. I do. Okay. Uh, it, 
you know, you, boy, you mentioned uh, sometimes 30, 40 hours a week. Probably I, I often hear uh, on the minimum side 20 from most guys and, and probably 30 guys are hitting around 20 to 30, sometimes 40. How that's work that only you can do. How do you delegate the other responsibilities of a, a senior pastor in order to, to guard that time to study? How do you do that? That's a great question, and I'm, I'm very blessed to um, be in a church where we have a wonderful staff, and they help me in the execution of the, of the various ministries. But even as a pastor of a small church, though, in my first church I pastored, I started in 1991, we had 68 people, you know, vote us in. And, uh, but I already then I'd have begun this discipline of, and I asked the church, would you please let me have my mornings for study? And uh, of course, if it's an emergency, uh, absolutely, I'm available. But if I can, can I postpone meetings, uh, conferences? What can I do that in the afternoons? And let me have that eight to twelve just in in studying the word. And so um, they they honored that for me. And then that process I've talked about earlier, the Monday through Sunday, it, you know, those hours add up. But even then, though, I would have some staff, deacons, or just delegate those other responsibilities to. And today, uh, it's pretty much the same way. In the mornings, I, um, I, I study. Unless I see one of my, uh, my children or my wife calling, I automatically answer it. Now, that's just the policy I have. I, I take those calls. But other calls, my secretary, she's a, a real blessing. She helps say, well, he's, you know, he's studying. A lot of times people walk up, you know, and just expect to see the pastor, and she's very generous, and she'll tell him, he is preparing a message for you that he wants to deliver on Sunday, so let me take your name and your number, and we'll call you back, and we'll schedule a time, and most of the time, people are really good with that, but to answer the question specifically, we, we have a great staff. We have deacons. We have people, um, you know, 99% of the other things people can do, this they can't do this one. I have to do this one, the studying and the now That's a great line for a pastor's assistant. He's preparing a message for you, and I can't interrupt him right now. That, that's, a, that's a great word. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of pastors listening This, this are going to walk out to their assistant's desk and say, I have a line for you. Danny, uh, finally, let me ask you, what are some of your favorite books on preaching? Yeah, I thought about that question, and I'm uh, there's some that have power in the pulpit. Jerry Vines, <clears throat> Haddon Robinson's work on expositional preaching uh, have influenced me. Um, I would say anything Stephen Smith has written on homiletics, I would buy it and, and read it. He is uh, a gifted uh, preacher, and he, he's I could put him in that category of you ask me guys I enjoy listening to. He's, he's one of them. Um, the way he crafts the sermon, the way he explains and illustrates and applies. So... Um, yeah, those are some of the books. We've been talking today to Dr. Danny Forshe, the lead pastor of Great Hills Baptist Church in Austin, Texas, and uh, he has his own uh, podcast. Uh, it's called Revangelical Rethinking Christian Living. So, re uh, and then evangelical. So, if you'd Google that, and you'll find Dr. Danny Forshe, and uh, we encourage you to listen to his. Uh, podcast as well. Danny, thank you so much for being with us on Preaching Source today. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much.